I thank God that our walk is always closer. We can grow closer and closer. The man in the Bible, the name of Enoch, the Bible said he walked with God, and he was not because God took him. And the word walk there in the Hebrew really means a continuous walk. You know, we go for a walk and we stop. And, but he walked with God. It was a continuous, everyday walk with God. I feel the presence of the Lord so strong this morning. I thank God for the privilege of being able to speak to you. I looked around while we were singing, not while she was singing. Wasn't that beautiful? Thank you, Donna. The thought came to me this week about our church, and as I looked around this morning, I saw oh, some of you are better looking than others. I think I'm better looking than Jim. <laughs> he probably thinks he is. <laughs> but we're all different, aren't we? And I'm glad about that. I'm glad that you're different than I am. I'm whole, really glad my wife is different than I am. Well, sometimes I wish she was a little bit more like me. We might get along a little bit better, you know. <laughs> She'd always say yes to me and give me my way, but she doesn't do that. But I have a strong life, a strong wife has given me a strong life. I was talking to Don Shilley this morning. See how much time I have. My sermon, I need about 45 to 50 minutes. I'm talking about, I need about an hour and a half. But the other service will be starting, so I won't be able to do that. I don't know how long my sermon will be. It's up to the Lord. I left my glasses at home. I can't read my notes. I've had the, one of the worst weeks we've had in a long time. Our air conditioner went out the other day, and it was, all it was was a fuse, and it's a pretty new unit. Uh, went to the veterans to get some medicine, or have my blood drawn, and uh, it was the wrong day. Uh, so I made an appointment and went back another day, and the girl couldn't hit my vein. Uh, she was new. Life's not always been easy. But I've learned that God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's a song that if I could sing, I would sing it. Last time I preached, I, I tried to sing, There is a River. And the first service applauded it. I think they liked it. And the second service just looked at me like, what in the world are you doing? <laughs> but there is a song, and if I was a singer, and I don't, I'm not trying to sing it, but just to give you the words says, life is easy when you're up on the mountain. And life comes so easy when life's at its best. But then things change, and you're down in the valley. But don't lose faith. He's always the same. He I wanted to say something about our church before I get into the word. Our pastor, I love him with all my heart. And sometimes when he's preaching, I think, Lord, couldn't I preach just a little bit like him? I sat under James Ranger for 12 years. 
because I was uh, one of the uh, staff pastors there working, and uh, I love James. He's a personal friend also, and uh, I sat there, and I'd think, Lord, if I could just preach a little bit, once in a while like him, you know, and then last week, Christina, she touched my heart. And if we can learn to apply and control that mind, we've got it made. And with God's help in going to the cross, we can. And then David on Father's Day touched my heart as he was up front. And it was different, different than Mark Pastor or uh, Christina or myself. I, I preached, uh, someone said I was too Pentecostal. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that, but uh, we're all different. Over in the 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, it talks about that. That the eye can't say to the ear, I have no need of thee. He put the different ministries here at this church together. And it's taking us places that God wants us to go. And so if I'm a little Pentecostal for you, just overlook me and love me and pray for me. Our pastor says oftentimes when, we're, when we meet, he says, I wish I could cry like you, Wayne. Oh. But he said, sometimes I think you cry too much, and I don't cry at all. So he said, that's a pr- you know, it makes it pretty good. You know, it averages it out. But I'm praying that he'll cry one of these days. Just ball like a baby up here. And he's praying, I, cry, I pray, I cry a little bit less. But we're all one. That's what I'm trying to say. Whether you're in the ministry, whether you take the offering, whether we have one of the best. I pastored five churches in my life, one of them for 10 years. Built it for my wife and three kids to, into the hundreds, built property, bought property, built buildings, just. And I've had a lot of administrators in my church, churches. We have one of the best. I've, I told her this morning, Carmen. She's one of the best church administrators I've ever worked with. Everything I say, ask for, she does it. But we're all different. But God's taken this church and he has a plan for this church. The Lord's dealt with my heart a lot about that. He said, well, is God really going to make it really Pentecostal where people run around shouting, hollering? I don't know. Or are we going to be like the Baptists? I don't know. I'm a Baptocostal. Because my mom was Southern Baptist. Actually, her family was hard shell Baptist. And I think sometimes their shell got hard before they got Christ. But because uh, they were really hard people. I went to visit one when I was in the pastoring in Lompoc. We stopped in Oklahoma. Uh-oh, I told you I was in Okie. Stopped in Oklahoma and visited my aunt, and she'd come out and see me. Oh, and she said, you're Tootsie's boy. I know who you are. Are you the preacher? And I said, yes, I am. She said, what Baptist church are you associated with? I said, I'm a Pentecostal pastor. She turned around and walked in the house and never spoke to me. Fixed dinner. and Never spoke to me. And I said, well, I know her shell got hard for you, fortunate the Lord. But I don't know what God has in mind, but God wants our church to grow. And I have struggled this week with this, uh, what God's put on my heart. Because I've been struggling with the fact that I cannot let you know how big God is. He's bigger than I can describe. A lot of people don't listen to Jimmy Swaggart anymore because he failed. I failed too. And most of the, I believe y'all love me. 
But he, I've heard him say, ask big. He said his grandmother told him, don't ask small of God. He's a big God. And over in Psalms 75, 25, I think it is, or David said, I've been young. That sounds like me. Sounds like us, huh? We've been young. He's a lot younger than I am, so he's still young. David said, I've been young, and now I'm old. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken. In this world, I have counseled, I counseled for almost 12 years at New Life Center. That was our ministry uh, and deliverance. And people have come to us in the hundreds that were wives forsaken by their husbands. In some cases, the wife forsook a husband, children forsaken by the parents. Parents that turned their back on their children walked away and forsook them. But David said, I've been old, young and I'm, now I'm old, but I have never seen the righteous forsaken. And sometimes we don't feel righteous. You, is that true? You always feel like you're holy or holier than thou. You're just walking, pleasing God. Everything you see, look at, touch, and everything pleases God. I don't feel that way. I told someone last week something like that, and they said, but you're a preacher. You're a pastor. You don't have a problem. You don't have problems, do you? Walk in my shoes for a while. That's like when people tell me, someone told me not long ago, said, you really had it easy in Vietnam. The year you was there, nothing was going on. You'd have. And I said, I wish you'd have been there in 24, for 24 hours in my shoes, my boots. We never know what the other person's going through. When people walk through the door for counseling, I never know what they want. When we went to work for James at New Life Center, he gave us an office and set us up for a ministry. And uh, he said, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to minister to prostitutes, alcoholics, and addicts. And he said, well, where are you going to get them? I said, I don't know. You know where they came from? They came out of the body of Christ. God's people have problems. There are some people that I've talked to even in our church that are so hungry. I prayed with some people on cocaine just recently in the church. They love Jesus. They have given their life to Jesus. And they just can't get free. They just sometimes don't realize how big God is. He's big enough to meet any one of your needs. David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. God never forsakes the righteous. Who are the righteous? I love it over in Genesis, I think it's 12, 6, where the Bible said, Abraham believed God. He just believed God. He believed what God said. And God counted unto him for righteousness. You know what that means? You have right standing with God. When the old enemy comes around and tells you you're failing, you're coming short, you're falling, you're, you're erring from your, what God wants you to do, you tell him, I am the righteousness of God created in Christ Jesus by Christ Jesus. Amen. That's in Corinthians. He said, I am the righteousness. I am. You're the righteousness of God. Do you always feel that way? No. I don't either, but I am. 
my wife kind of would argue with the Lord a little bit maybe about that. When she's saying, you, you're not, you know, you, you got a little upset. I don't know how righteous you are. We have right standing with God. And sometimes the Lord put this on my heart very heavy. And the Bible said we start out in the spirit, Paul said, and then we end up in the flesh. We walk with the Lord so long that we think we have the right words, all the church words, brother and sister and thee and thou and they, you know, King James type stuff. That we get to the place we think we've arrived. Maybe it takes five years, 10 years, 15, 20, 40 years. I don't know if any of you have been saved over 40 years or not. I have. I, was, I gave my life to Jesus Christ in South Vietnam in 1966. And my life's never been the same. But I've not always been the righteousness of God. I'll tell you what, one experience I had. I, I changed. Uh, before I went to Vietnam, I drank and, you know, got into fights a lot of times. And uh, my wife liked to, you know, my wife loves to dance. And I never danced, but I went to the dances without her. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't dance with other people. Shame on me, huh? I kept, but when I came home, I didn't do that no more. But my habit was I worked at the butcher, and we'd get off about 12, and our, actually our time to get off was 2. So between 12 and 2, we had nothing to do. So we'd go to the bar, and we'd, have, we'd drink some beers, and we'd go to different bars. And one of the bars we went to was called the Pussycat Lounge. It was a topless bar. You talk about that in church? Well, that's what I did. I came home from Vietnam and took some time off to gain some weight. Can you believe that? Before I went back to work, I, had, I needed to gain weight back then. I was so skinny. I went to work, and my first night there, and we got off about 1130, I think, that night. And the guy said, let's go down to the bar, and we'll buy you a beer. Glad you're home. I went down there. I'm not preaching against drinking. The Bible said to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I cannot drink. God told me not to. Where I've come from. I went down there and I said, I remember sitting at the table and the girl come and took my order and I'm talking to the guys and she came back with my beer and I went to a pair and I looked up. And when I looked up, the spirit said, what are you doing here? And I jumped up pulled some money out of my and threw it on the table and ran out the door. And I never went, never went back. I did fall and let God down at one time, but I was still the righteousness of God. And that's what I want you to understand. I was still his child. I slipped and I made a mistake. I erred. But he loved me so much that he reminded me, now you're mine. Go home to your wife. Go home to the one that loves you, that prayed for you, prayed for you home from Vietnam, the one that loves you. And I did. I thought about the power of God. I have seen God and his power, his might, work wonders you wouldn't hardly believe if I told you some of them. I'm going to tell you about one. David said, I've been young and I've been old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. God never forsakes his people. Even when I let God down and walked away from God from the, for over a year in the ministry and my wife 20-something years ago, 
one of the first things God said to me when I came back, the first man to ask me to preach was a Assembly of God pastor. And when I was going to preach that night, I was so scared. I was scared to death. And I said, Lord, I don't know if I can do this and start over. I let you down so bad. And the Lord spoke to me and said, son, if I was with you in darkness, don't you know I'll be with you when you're preaching the light? means he never forsook me. I think there's a place we can go to get away from God, but he does not forsake us. And our seed doesn't have to beg for bread. He supplies our needs. God called me. I didn't know any better. I thought when the Bible said, enter your closet to pray, I came home from Vietnam, hadn't been in college or nothing, and uh, I thought it said, go in your closet. So my prayer place was the closet. I went in, moved the clothes apart, and got out, and I prayed. Sometimes we learn too much and we get away from the things that we need to do. Um, and I was in there praying, and I believe if I had a recorder, it would have recorded the voice I heard. Maybe not. But I believe that. It was so audible to me. I've heard that three times in my life, my ministry. I've heard God speak to me. And the voice said, I want you to go to Longpoke and build me a church. And I said, first of all, I jumped. I was scared, you know, kind of, I didn't, you know, I didn't know who, and then I realized the Lord. And I said, Lord, where's Lompoc? And he didn't answer me, no more, no more answers. So I got up and I went into my phone and I called my district officer and I said, do we have a church in Lompoc somewhere? He said, well, we've tried three times. We've invested money and sent preachers there. It's mostly a Catholic-dominated town and uh, we're not going to send no more well, we don't have a church there, he said. And I said, well, I'm going to go there and build one. He said, you can't do that. We can't help you. I said, he said, we have a church over in Lancaster. It's a district church. has a good salary. has a parsonage. Uh, people take real good care of their pastors. Uh, most of you young people here don't. You ever heard of the word pounding besides beating someone up? Used to, years ago, when I'm talking about churches, would put boxes in the church. And people would bring food and put it in there. In the boxes, they call that pounding. He said, they take good care of the pastor. They pay you a salary. They bring you food. They, you've got a house to live in. It's free. We'll send you there. So district church, you'll be over some other churches. And I was really young in the ministry. I said, no, I'm going to Longpoke. So I rented a truck and rented a house and moved my wife and three children, quit our jobs, and went to Longpoke. And uh, after about six weeks, we had got, we were running, maybe we'd gotten some people together, and we'd run about 20 in church. We rented a little building, go in there on Sunday morning early and dump the asteroid and get rid of the whiskey bottles because the night before they had other things. And about six weeks went by, and I knew it, it was really getting hard. I couldn't find a job. My wife couldn't find a job, and there was no ties, no money, and we were paying the rent on the building. Working for God sometimes is hard. But it's rewarding. It's worth it. After about six weeks went by, there came a time I knew that we were getting low groceries and money was about gone. It was gone, I think. And my wife came to me and said, Honey, I, we don't have anything for dinner for the kids or us. I said, I've been scraping things together, but I have, I, we don't have any. Do you have any money? I said, No, I have money. 
my heart was breaking because God told me to go there, or I thought he did. And so I went into my bedroom. I, I still remember, I can tell you the, how, what the color of the bedspread was. I knelt there. And I called on the God. Have you ever seen the movie Facing the Giants? Is there anything too hard for God? Their team beat a football team that was bigger, faster, stronger, and better because they learned to give God the praise when they won, and they gave God the praise and the glory when they lost, and they won the championship. And in the movie, he can't have children. And they decided we're going to love God even though we can't have children. And when the game was over, he asked his players, is there anything too hard for God? And they were all saying no. And she, he went home. She had heard a little bit in the locker room what they were saying. She went home, and he sat down, and she said, congratulations. He said, thank you. No, she said, not for winning the district championship. I just found out today that you joined the daddy team. Is there anything too hard for God? And that's just a movie. At the end, it shows there's a little bit. He's playing with one of the babies, and she's expecting again. Is there anything too hard for God? I went into my bedroom, and I knelt down, and I said, God, I remember. That's been 40-something years ago. I remember. I was stayed there at that church for 10 years. But I said, God, I believe I heard you, and I heard your voice tell me to come here, and you're not taking care of my family. I've gone back to Bakersfield Monday. Because your word said, if I don't take care of my family, I'm worse than an infidel. I'm not. I can't find a job. I know you can supply, but you've not been supplying. I'm going to tell the church, the few people we've got together Sunday, that we're going to have to go back to Bakersville. And I got up and went in. My wife and I talked for about an hour and a half about what we were going to do. And we heard a knock on the door. I went to the door, and it was a Catholic, a Catholic, but she was actually, she was Spanish, so I noticed that she was a Spanish lady, and she said, I'm a Catholic. First thing she said, she said, are you a pastor or a minister or something? I said, well, I'm trying to be. Not doing a very good job right now. I don't have any people, you know, but uh, she said, well, I'm a Catholic. I'll probably never come to your church, but, uh, you know, God, God's got people all over the place. I didn't get saved in the Baptist church or Pentecostal church, the Foursquare Assembly of God, Church of God, Methodist, or anything. I got saved in the church of the jungle. There was no denomination out there. It was just Jesus. He was just Jesus out there. And she said, well, I've been, I was praying a couple of hours back, and she said, and the Lord spoke to me and said, there's a minister down the street, and they have nothing to eat. I want you to go buy them groceries. And I thought, well, that's nice. Okay. She said, would you come and help me? Okay. So my wife follows us out there, and there's a station wagon. And I speak the truth in Christ Jesus, and why not, as Paul said. It was full. It was loaded in the back. And she gave me some money. And she said, if you ever need anything, you call. Even though I'll probably never go to your church, you come down and tell me, I'll supply your needs. And that shouldn't amaze me. But it does amaze us. We just need to step up and start believing God. That he does not forsake us and his seed doesn't beg for bread. And bread is not just the bread you need. But we, 
It's the Word of God, hungry for the Word of God. We, we don't live by bread alone, but by the Word of God. I thought about it. In the Bible, when uh, Elijah was, had prayed a prayer that wouldn't rain, and famine came, and God told him to get down to the brook Cherith in 1 Kings 17, I think it is. He said, go down to the brook Cherith, and there I'll fly your knees. And the water was still running through the brook, and uh, we don't even know where that brook is now. We can't find it. And that doesn't matter because what God wants us to see is God supplied his need. The ravens, a little Catholic lady brought my food, but the ravens brought food for him and fed him. And when that ran out, he went to Zarephath. And this is a story. I love this story because it's true. And when he got there, he met a lady out there, and he asked her what she was doing. She was getting some steaks, and she said, I'm going to go bake a cake. I've got just enough oil. I'm adding, not adding to the Bible, but making it a little simpler to understand. He said, I've got a little bit of oil in a cruise, and I've got some meal in a barrel, and I'm going to bake a cake. And there's nothing else to be had in our town. I'm, we're gonna, my son and I are going to eat that and die. God, serving God's not always easy. I said that a while ago. Sometimes it's a little hard. Can you imagine you've got one cake or one loaf of bread for you and your child, you're going to eat it, and from there on there is no provision. And the man of God comes and says, well, give it to me first. Putting God first is not always easy, but it's worth it. She did. She went and baked a cake, gave it to the prophet, and the Bible said during the rest of the famine that her cruise of oil was full all the time. I told my mom that one time. She said, I don't, I don't know if I believe that. And she really loved God. It's hard sometimes to believe. And her barrel meal was always full. She not only fed her and her son, she fed the prophet too. The three of them feasted every day. And I thought about the children of Israel, and it made me almost feel ashamed or bad when I, Sometimes I'm asking God for something, and I'm not receiving it right away. And I begin to doubt a little bit like you do, I do. Remember the man in the Bible said, God, I believe, Lord, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. God understands our unbelief at times, but he wants us to step up and start believing him, believing his word. Abraham believed his word. And it was counted to him for writing. You read, God will do this in the Bible. Believe it. I, I can't see hardly at all. Reading, I'm not using your nose without my glasses. And uh, my hearing's not as great as it used to be. That's not old age. It's just I've been through a lot. <laughs> and God hasn't healed me yet. And he's healed me. Of, I could name the, make a list. I told you about the hernia one time that was when I went to the surgery. doctor was like out here and I couldn't bend. My wife had to help me get dressed. And we got on the elevator like that. And by the time I got to the second floor, it was gone. It was gone. My wife was, went, it was, we watched it. We watched it just, we watched it. We've been having the Lord's Supper every day for two weeks since they scheduled me for surgery. And we got to crawl on the table, and the doctor was a Christian. And he said, well, let's see that hernia that your doctor says you have. I said, I don't have it. And I pulled my shirt up, and he said, you don't have a hernia. Well, I said, I did when I got on your elevator. He said, you know what? I believe that. I'm a born-again Christian. I believe that. 
Every doctor I go to, I have a heart doctor. Went to her last week for my annual checkup. I can't, I talked about Jesus everywhere I go. That's all I know. Someone told me, my wife said, how's your husband be a preacher? He don't talk. She said, get him talking about Jesus. He don't shut up. <laughs> I go to the bank and they, the, the, the dozen ladies will start hollering, Mr. Cardman, would you come give me a card? Because they're getting stitches about Jesus. Not so awesome. I thought about the children of Israel. <laughs> Moses had a problem with uh, doubt at times. And I can't really find a greater man in the Bible. I love David. He's my favorite. But probably because he's like me. He loved God with all his heart. He fell. In, in the area a lot of men fall in. Being unfaithful. But even with that, God loved him so much that he told the prophet, go talk to him. I want to restore David. God wants to restore you. If you've slipped, you've fallen, you've gotten away a little bit or gotten a little bit cold, and you're not as excited about Jesus as you was 20 years ago, he wants to talk to you. He wants to renew a right spirit within you and give you a clean heart again if you feel like it needs to be cleaned. And the prophet went and told David the story about the man that had all these sheep and one hand. The other man only had one. And when he got there telling the story, he said, what should happen? David said, that man should die. He said, you're the man. Have you drifted? Has something else taken your first love? Jesus is so wise. I love to hear Jesus talk. I love to read in the Bible what he says. He, wrote a, he had John write a letter to a church one of the seven churches, and he bragged on them all the good things they were doing. And we do a lot of good things, a lot of good stuff, if you excuse my English. We do a lot of good things for God. But then he said, but I have one thing against you. You lost your first love. Losing your first love is kind of like a story I heard about a young man who was in love with this lady, and he'd ask her to marry him. And uh, he said, honey, Called her on the phone and said, I'm going to come over tonight. And said, I want to see you so bad. Love you so much. And I, I'll, I'll see you tonight. That is if it doesn't rain. Did, did you get that? I'm going to take a few minutes to get that get to you. We love God so much. But, Lord, I'm going to do this first. Like the man that said, let me go bury my father first. Jesus said, no, you follow me. Let the dead bury the dead. If you're here this morning and you've let, you feel like you, you've stopped believing God as, as big as he used to be in your life, then when we come, give you an opportunity in a little bit, you're not going to come to me. I don't want that. But I'm going to say, I think they're going to do a song. Do you have any rivers you think are uncrossable? You got any mountains you can't tunnel through? God specializes in things thought impossible, things you think are impossible. You know where we go back to? The cross. Someone say amen. I don't hear a lot about the cross. We go back to the cross. You know what was purchased at the cross? Your salvation. Ooh, your salvation. 
when I was pastoring, I'd look at the clock and it was like this. I'd say, can I have five more pastor minutes? That was really a half hour, but I won't do that to you. But Israel, when they needed food, God told them that he would supply manna. And we think about that, and we think, that's really nice. You know, he supply manna every day. They go out and get to pick this and bake it and do all they're going to do. But you think about Someone figured it up and calculated it. And when I heard this, I almost felt bad. I thought God couldn't supply my needs in Lompoc. When they calculated that, if three million people came out of Egypt and they ate three meals a day, for one day it would take 45 boxcars. You know, that's same trains full. Filled with 15 tons apiece. To feed that many people. That's nothing. Because on Friday before the Sabbath, he had to do 90 boxcars. And you know how long he did it for a day and then he went hungry? He did it for 40 years. David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. You have a need today? You have a need? Whether God wants to meet your need too. God loves you so much. I love this brother. Uh, he asked me to pray for him a couple weeks ago, and I have seen him come every week. He just comes and God, you know, just growing in the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? And God has a miracle waiting for you. I know that because he did it for me. And he's no respect to a person, what he's done for you, what he's done for others. He'll do for you with arms wide open. He'll pardon you. It takes a lot of nerve for me to sing when I can't sing. What he's done for others, he'll do for you. You have any need today? You have a need? You don't have to raise your hand. I'm going to ask that. Have a need today? I'm going to ask the musicians to come. When they begin to play, if you have a need, or you're like me, I, I, I probably need to come back here so I can be the first one. I have a lot of needs in my life. And some of them I know God can do, they're little. And some of them I, I have problems with, I doubt at times. So I would be the first one to come up and say, Lord, I'm coming to you. Pastor Gibson preached this morning that you're so big, and I'm going to believe that. Father, I've endeavored today to preach to this precious, precious group of people. They are your children. They are your inheritance. And every one of these people, I know most of them, and I know the love they have for you. But, Lord, sometimes we just need a boost. We need a touch. I've been praying all week, Lord, that they would, there would be a contact between them and you. And the ones that feel like their life's been burned over and it's like a, just a heap of ashes. Isaiah 61 said, you'll give them beauty for ashes. Said, you'll give them joy for a heavy spirit. Then in Luke 4. 
it said, Lord, it said that you came to heal broken hearts, bind up the bruise, recover sight to the blind. We've lost our way. We've lost our sight. We don't, we don't know where God wants us anymore. I've been there so often. I was there a year ago until this church which took me in in my ministry over two years ago. You said you'd set the captive free. Lord, I, I believe you for that. 